0: Welcome to the A-plus EdTech Coaching Podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking about all things EdTech Coaching. In this episode, I'm excited to share my discussion with Stephanie Howe. I met Stephanie during the ISTE 2021 conference when we presented back-to-back poster sessions in the EdTech Coaches Playground. She's some great tips for coaches and shares her own experience with the Google Certified Coaching Program. Happy Thanksgiving week, everyone. Before we jump into this episode, I want to share some winter happenings that are coming just around the corner. Next week, I'm going to be heading over to the state of Tennessee, and I'm going to be presenting um, about EdTech coaching cycles and how they can be used to provide personalized teacher support at the Tennessee Educational Technology Conference. And this is happening in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, um, and the dates are December 2nd through the 4th. I'm actually going to be presenting the afternoon of the third and I'm really excited about this conference because Tennessee is where I grew up. I went to um, public school in Tennessee um, all the way from kindergarten through 12th grade. And then I actually started my teaching career in Tennessee. So I'm interested to get back to um, my home state and see what they've got going on in ed tech over there. On January 25th, I'm going to be facilitating a workshop on the same topic at the Future of Education Technology Conference in Orlando, Florida. The workshop is going to take a lot of the information um, about EdTech coaching cycles and really give participants the opportunity to dig deep into each one of the the um, elements of the coaching cycle. We're going to be sharing resources, we're going to be talking about strategies, coaching conversations. It's going to be all very active and hands-on activities during that workshop. That workshop's taking place January 25th at 11 a.m. Participants who join me in either one of these sessions will be able to um, take all of those resources that they're given, and when they implement a coaching cycle with a teacher in their school, they're going to be able to submit some documentation to me only if they want to, and they're going to get some personalized feedback directly from me about um, their coaching cycles, and then... Um, that piece of evidence will be able to serve as a way for me to provide a micro-credential. So participants of either one of these conference sessions will be able to submit some evidence so then they can earn a micro-credential in edtech coaching cycles. I'm very excited but a little nervous about it because it's something I've never done before. I've reached out a little bit to see if anybody else has done this before. Um, I've done a great deal of research on it And um, found that there is precedence for this. Um, So I'm excited to kind of dive into it and see how this goes. With all of that exciting news out of the way, let's go ahead and jump straight into our conversation with Stephanie Howe.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Stephanie Howe. I'm an instructional technology coach in Pickerington Local School District. Um, I've been a coordinator slash coach in this role for about four years and this year my title has changed to coach so the past three years I was a coordinator and then uh, after some digging around and finding out what you know coaches kind of do they kind of were like well you more fall in that area so we're kind of changing my title Um and that's what I'll be doing next school year uh, which is kind of what I've been doing so I've been doing it I feel like for four years. I also started my own um, LLC, so I started Gold edu this summer or this spring it was during spring break that I kind of got it all open and running. I'm also a founding member of Global GEG, so love love the Google educator groups and just promoting all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then again, my official I have a son, he is almost two running around like crazy keeping me busy so yeah my life is crazy and busy but i love it
0: <laughs> can you can you tell um can you tell us how you got to this role of instructional technology coach
1: yeah so <clears throat> the past 3 years um i've been an instructional technology coordinator was like my title now i don't really believe in titles i feel like They're just kind of there to be there. Um, So my kind of job, I feel like really did start when I first started teaching. Um, So my first year teaching, I started in 2014 and I taught students with disabilities. Um, They had anywhere from like learning disabilities, autism. um, I had a couple ADHD students. I mean, you name it, I probably had somewhere on that uh, radar of spec ed and the students, they, they struggled. um When we were doing like, I had to help them with their writing IEP goals. And when we were focusing on their writing IEP goals, like spelling and grammar, and just the organization of their writing, everything was just kind of a hot mess. And it was my first year. And I was like, trying to learn what I was supposed to do. And uh over Christmas break, whatever I was doing, I was just like, I need to figure out my own style, because what other people were doing wasn't working in my classroom, and so what I did is I got on Pinterest, and I found this thing called Google Classroom. It was like pretty brand new, and I didn't know how it was going to work, and only on Fridays. My students were only allowed the computers on Fridays, not Monday through Thursday, just Fridays, because I wanted to keep like the excitement of this new product, which is so silly, like looking back at how I did all this. Um, and so with Google classroom, they got on, they logged in and we they would have a Google doc that was assigned to them in their classroom. And I was able to see them real time writing. And I loved it because I didn't have to sit next to them Which a lot of those kids, they were sick of because they always have the teacher sitting next to them. They wanted to feel a part of the classroom. They wanted to feel typical. And so I was able to sit um, at a small group, maybe with five other kids, and that student is in the front of the room. And I'm able to leave comments to them about, hey, can you check this? Or this is great. And I could get in at any moment throughout their writing to check on it. Soon, my students were begging to use Google Classroom Monday through Thursday. And I was like, no, it's just a Friday thing. Like, I I can't lose this control that I have right now. Like, you guys are doing so great at on Fridays with it. And um, they started to write outside of the classroom. So they were working on their IEP goals outside of the classroom and then, like, sending me little comments and tagging me in them and be like, Miss Howe, can you check this? Um, And so I would be checking things over the weekend. And it was just incredible seeing their confidence level change from I hate writing to I, I want to do this on my own and I'm good at it because I have the tools such as like spell check grammar they could research anything on the web to help them and just having that tool was really exciting to see so that's where I fell in love with technology um, and from there I then applied for the technology coordinator position and, are in the job title, it said like 80% is with classroom teachers. And that's like what I wanted. I wanted to share how this tool of technology really helps students with disabilities, because I truly believe if you can help students with disabilities, you're able to help anybody uh, succeed and go kind of over and above. And so once I got that job, I started to train teachers and worked really closely with them and started to present at conferences, became a Google certified trainer, coach, innovator. And that like completely rocked my world because I was like this shy person. And then it was like, oh, go present. And now I can't stop. Like I'm addicted to it. Um That's kind of my role. And then, ne- yeah, next year they're changing it to, uh, they're going to have a coordinator person and then also a coach because they realize how different those positions truly are. And like that, we'll still work really closely together and. But I'll be focused on coaching cycles and that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited.
0: So I love what you said about how you were afraid of that loss of control um, in the classroom because you weren't doing the hands-on, the physical things constantly. You had sort of this technology between you and the students. Um, In your experience, and I know that with COVID that might change us a little bit as far as teachers make a feeling that way, but when you coach teachers – How do you coach them through that, that feeling of that loss of control and really getting them to adopt that technology?
1: I first think it's through relationships. Um, So I have to build relationships with my teachers so that I can come into their classroom. They kind of understand, like, I feel like every coach gets the question of like, when you're in their room and you're just doing like quick walk-ins, do you need something? And it's like that awkward yes. moment. And like, I just remember like that first couple conversations, um, my first year as a coordinator and I was like, does, does no one come in the rooms? Like what is going on? And, um, then it happened again last year because I was in two new buildings and I, you have to be present for them to want you to come in. And it was like, well, do you need anything? And I'm like, no, I'm just here to see like what the kids are doing. Um, But building those relationships can really help. And again, it's awkward at first, but once you get over that, it it gets easier and better. Um, The next thing that I could suggest is demoing lessons. Have templates ready to go for teachers and be ready to kind of say, hey, can I come in and teach this? And you kind of watch, and then maybe we can co-teach. Every teacher is different. So again, through those relationships, you learn what a teacher might need or what kind of support they might need and then also maybe trying it with a small group of kids like there's times where i'm like i don't know if this is going to work can we just pull three kids and that sometimes helps those teachers that are like i don't know if i can do this with the whole class but three kids yeah like i can do that and they're like the best kids in their whole class um so those kids kind of can help as well
0: um so how many schools do you support
1: um my first three years, I had three buildings. And then last year, I had five. And then next year, I'm going to have 10.
0: Oh, goodness. All right. So how, (laughs) how do you because this is a common theme, uh, whenever I'm talking to ed tech coaches, how do you and I know you do coaching cycles. So we'll get to that. But how do you really go in deep with those teachers when you're supporting that many schools? I mean, I'm thinking about coaching cycles. And that's conversations with them. That's observing that's going in and co-teaching, co-planning, all of these things, and you're jumping among 10 buildings, how do you manage all that?
1: Yeah, so managing of it is is difficult. Um, I'm really concerned about next year because I'm like 10 is a lot. And my coaching cycles are just like you said, they're very one-on-one, small group type settings. And so last year, what I did a lot of is we have TBTs, which are our teacher-based teams And I attended those meetings, and it was about five to six teachers, depending on how big the building was, um, content, and I would come in and I would work with just those teachers. And so my first year, it was a lot of one-on-one coaching cycles. Like I would meet one-on-one with a teacher, where last year, just because of my um, capacity and all that kind of stuff, it became more group. Coaching cycles, which it kind of worked out because during the pandemic, they were collaborating more. They were sharing of research. We have a curriculum framework. And so what I would do then is during that coaching cycle is first we would kind of talk about, okay, what what's your issue? Like what's the biggest barrier? And most of them had the same type of barrier, missing work, for example. Once we talked about missing work, Then we kind of came up and brainstormed solutions together. And honestly, like I've done that one-on-one, the group setting was really cool because you got to hear all of these different perspectives on how to kind of solve that. And then after that, we decided, okay, what are we going to implement? Sometimes in the group setting, they all implemented the same thing. Sometimes it was different. And so then I would kind of have like a side... Hey, let's do this with this teacher. Let's do this. Um, And then I would usually schedule a couple hours at that building. And then I would kind of float around to support um, with like co-teaching, demoing. And so then they would have me like real quick doing whatever part of the coaching cycle or whatever they needed in that part. And then with reflections, I started to do a lot of walking reflections because I was sitting on the computer way too much. And so towards the end of the year, I was like, we got to get up, we got to get moving. And so we started to walk and just talk or text or um, jump on a Google Meet, whatever we needed to do to kind of do those reflections. And I know, I know, I know those reflections are like the hardest parts, but they're, they're the what's impactful. It allows you to focus, okay, what worked, what didn't work, it allows you to kind of even build that relationship with the teacher. And she was like, you went really fast when you demoed that lesson with my teacher are with my students and so then i can reflect on that and go okay next time I, can i come back in and like practice you know slowing down or whatever um we might need to do to decide what's the next step in that coaching cycle is it's to take a break is it to start another cycle is it to um refocus on that area maybe try something different or the next step of that and so every group is kind of different um next year with 10 buildings I created a video and I went over my coaching cycle. I went over who I am. Um, It's pretty long, (laughs) which is not good, but I wanted them to know what the cycle was. And I wanted them to know how I worked because I feel like coaches work very differently, which isn't bad. It's just, you know, you figure out what works for you and your style. And so I wanted them to know kind of who I was, what I do. And I mean, I have seven buildings that I've never met before. And I don't know how I'm going to get to those seven buildings in three days to meet every single teacher. So I made a video this year and it has 200 views. Don't know who's watched it though. Like I probably should have put it in a puzzle or something like that. But um, I just wanted to kind of get it out there. So then that way, the month of August, I can just focus on building relationships.
0: Yeah. I'd love to have you come back and explain to us how this year goes with you having additional... Um, additional schools to support. Um, and then and then I would love to hear what your teachers think who have had you with less schools. And then they're going to now have to share you with more people. So that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, I would to love
1: to come back on. And I have a couple teachers that would join me as well. So yes. that would be a really fun episode. <laughs> we'll,
0: we'll plan that. Um, all right. So we met at ISTE. We were in the same playground session. Um, And I loved all of the things that you were presenting. Um, So in one, you were discussing your the Google Certified Coaching Program. Can you describe because I mean, if we have we have ed tech coaches listening, can you describe for them what a coach might learn if they're going through the Google Certified Coaching Program?
1: Yeah. So throughout the Google Certified Coaches program, right now, the curriculum and everything is free. I don't know. Google's always changing. So I don't know how long or when that might change. If it is again, no idea, but right now I'd hop onto it because the curriculum is really, really good. Um, it walks you through like the vocabulary of just coaching. Um, and it brought like reinforcement that i was doing the right things (laughs) because i mean coaches aren't really trained it was just like hey you're good at this go do it figure it out um and then it's kind of based on teacher feedback like oh yeah she's doing great or no she's really not doing good you know like it's just based on teacher feedback is like how i was improving my practice and then when i started this google certified coaches program i was like yeah i'm interested like it's a google certification. And then I was really digging into it. And it just helped me understand coaching at a whole new level. I was able to understand the research behind it and why we don't do all of these whole group PD meetings, like why they don't work, and why coaching does work or why it could work if it's not working, or you don't have it. And so part of that, I was able to start advocating to um, different coaches and different people like, hey, that's not like, We only have so much time so what do we need to cut out because i mean i was getting to a point where i mean i was working probably overtime hours which educators do but it was it was getting a little ridiculous and i'm a workaholic so i get that but it also kind of allowed me to look at the research and go okay this practice that you're doing is the most important practice it's going to help your teachers grow why are you doing this Or why are you sending out this newsletter? Why are you sending out this resource? Or why, like, it just made me question everything that I was doing to kind of figure out, okay, now I have some more free time to do this coaching cycle because it's going to have more impact than this whole group setting or whatever the activity is. And so that was huge for me. Um, I started to know the vocabulary word to use with my boss. So like when we were talking about coaching, I would be able to say, different things about the coaching program and just use that vocabulary of like, I am like in my calendar, it says I'm working with this teacher on this. I know it's not our district goal, but it's a tiny stepping point to get there. And I need to build this relationship with that teacher before I can get them to go further. And so I was just able to put those little like connections and understand like what I needed to say to advocate for myself, because even our board of education or parents, they don't get coaching. And so if you're not going to stick up for yourself or track your hours or anything like that to prove your value in this position, then a lot of times coaches get cut. Oh yeah. And to be honest, we have a levy coming up And I'm a little concerned that coaching could get cut, but if you're not tracking or you're not able to advocate why you need that position and how it is changing education in a different way, then that position won't get cut first, Um, especially if it's valued and it's seen as yes, we need that. And so that's what that program really did for me. Um, And again, like I thought, you know, I thought I was doing all the right things, but then when they were like relationships and then you do a five-step coaching cycle and I was like, oh i am doing a coaching cycle i just didn't call it that um and so with their coaching cycle i mean there's so many different coaching cycles jim knight has a coaching cycle ever you know there's so many different ones i really like the google one because it focuses on the teacher it focuses on what do they need what's their biggest stressor and then you problem solve together on different brainstorming sessions of like what can we do you implement that problem together so it's through co-teaching or demoing or some type of co-teaching type of environment. And then there's that reflection. And again, I just love that model because it's focused on the teacher. It's not focused on me. It's not focused on our district goals. It's focused on what is their biggest gripe at the moment. And you're gonna be able to get to those district group goals after you get to all of their gripes and upset about whatever the topic is. And then also it built my personal learning network. Um, There's a Google, it's called EC open chat. And so it's a Google open chat. It's like they meet monthly as coaches. They walk you through a gripe jam. And honestly, like modeling it for me is what I needed. Cause like in the curriculum, I'm like, okay, I kind of get what it is, but doing it, I was like, oh, and then I'm able to provide more examples to my teachers, like, oh, well, Jared said this was his gripe. So is this a gripe of your, you know, and so then you're able to kind of go off of each other. Um, they share resources, like I found out about the Connect Hub um, and tracking your coaching hours. I learned how you could use like a Google form to track your hours. I learned like, like I don't feel such alone because I think in a coaching environment, you are alone if you don't have your people, because there are only like one or two of you at a campus or however many you have at your campus.
0: So um, I want to dig in a little bit with your second session uh, in the um, playground that we did. Uh, You talked about tips for coaches and what are your top three tips that you have for a brand new ed tech coach? Because hopefully, at least some districts are using some of those ESSER funds to really dig deep with teachers. And maybe they're maybe they're bringing in new coaches. Um, But if you're a brand new coach, what are the top three tips you've got for them?
1: Yeah. So the top three tips are relationships. If teachers don't like you, they're not going to invite you into your classroom. And that's what a coach is you go into the classrooms and you work with teachers. And so building those relationships is huge. Um, I like to do morning rounds so what that means is I will just walk around, just kind of like a doctor would, check on every single teacher. Sometimes it's, hey, how was your weekend? Other times it's, hey, I see your st- that copier is broken. Do you want to make this really quick digitally and I can help you? Um, sometimes I get around to every single teacher. Sometimes I don't. It just depends on where I start. Also kind of think about where should you start every morning? If you're in one building, you are so lucky. And you can kind of pick a different teacher every single day to start with. So that way you meet all your teachers throughout the week. If you're in multiple buildings, um, I try to be in as many buildings as I can. And I just try to add some like emergency time into my schedule. So I'll put, even if it's not in the mornings, just even if they're teaching, I'll just walk around just so they see me and remember I'm there. Um, And it really helps those teachers that don't always work with me, um, where they might just work with me during a PD or something like that, but not like a intense coaching cycle, then they can see me. So scheduling that emergency time. And again, you might not use it for morning uh, walkthroughs, but it could be there if, hey, someone gets locked out of their Google account or something bigger happens, you have that time built into your schedule where you don't have to cancel on a teacher. And I always don't cancel on teachers. if it's something where I have to work late, which is again, I need to set up barriers for myself. That's a goal for me. But if I have to cancel on a teacher, I don't like I go in and I will miss lunch. I will do whatever to figure out that issue at a later time, which I, that helps me out a lot. My first year, just because I was listening to other conversations, there was a coach that was canceling and the teachers brought it up because they're busy and they make time for that person to come in her classroom. And then she would just cancel on them last minute. And that, that feedback that I just kept hearing, I was like, oh, don't do that, you know? Um, and then templates. So this past year, we used edu protocols, which are amazing. And I highly suggest the books. I love edu protocols. Yeah. So the reason edu protocols this year, though, is I was on Twitter and I would go to my teachers and be like, hey, you should try this um, this lesson out. And then I'm like, Stephanie, I only have my kids twice a week because of hybrid learning. I don't have time for that. And so then edu protocols were my answer. Uh, they're quick. They're zero to five minute prep time. And my teachers really fell in love with how they engage the students. And so having a template ready to go where teachers don't have to plan out something and maybe just make a little, little adaptations really helped them. And I love just having those lessons in my back pocket so I can be like, hey, let me cover this for you. You're having like you need a break, there's this going on at home, I, I got you, you know, that just kind of helps that relationship as well. And then coaching cycles. So finding those teachers that you can start with those coaching cycles is huge. Um, and then they will kind of allow you to take over, they will be your biggest cheerleader when it comes to other teachers and just say, hey, you should work with Stephanie on this, like she's really good at it. And um, And so they will communicate and that's what leads to more and more business.
0: So I've been um, talking a lot about coaching cycles lately because the book that I've got coming out has um, a coaching cycle suggestion, which uh, you and I have looked at that a little bit together before um, at ISTE. But um, what would you say? Because the question I constantly get is how do I get people to start doing this with me? 'Cause I think that there's this fear that once you put out there, you know, this is what the coaching cycle is and here's that it's gonna feel it's gonna it, it's gonna be weird starting. Um, how do you suggest to other coaches that they get started with coaching cycles with their teachers? How do they get buy in?
1: So I I did not use a gripe jam my first time. Um And I just listened to my teachers. They would say, oh, this is taking me hours to make. And this is taking, you know, or whatever the biggest gripe that they had. And I was listening to those. You could do a gripe jam, but again, they might complain that they're making you do that. So I don't know. Uh, So I just listened. And then I, because I was straight out of the classroom, which a lot of coaches are, I was able to say, hey, I have this spreadsheet that I used um, with my students. And I'm happy to share it and walk you through it. It will take like 10 minutes. And then I would share the resource. I had the template already ready. And I I had the, everything was already set up because I did just get out of the classroom. Where now I'm like, after COVID, I'm like, I don't even know how I would have taught throughout COVID, you know? And so sometimes I am making templates with teachers and that kind of stuff, but I have those relationships built up. And so if it is that tracking student data or tracking whatever, have that spreadsheet maybe that you used in your classroom and then hey, can I have 10 minutes to walk you through this? And usually 10 minutes becomes 20 minutes because they keep asking questions about it. And then they just trust you. Once, once they see that, hey, that did save me some time, they really do start to trust you and come to you for more. Um, another thing that I kind of did is I would lead whole group PDs. And then I would say like, I would have a Google form, next steps, do you want me to come in and co-teach with you? Do you wanna co-plan a lesson? Um, and I would kind of write out the coaching cycle on the Google form. And then I would follow up with those teachers and then I would actually schedule that time to go in another good thing. And it's kind of like sneaking the coaching cycle in is like, I would share an idea with a teacher. So that's kind of like one part of the coaching cycle. And then in my calendar, two weeks later, put that same teacher's name in my calendar, go to them and just say, hey, have you tried that strategy out? How did it go? Oh, I didn't try it. Can I come in and co-teach with you on it? Like, like just figuring out what they needed to do. Or yes, I did try that. Can you send me this activity net? Like, can you help me with this resource? And so just those follow-ups really did help as well. And they appreciated it. I started to fail at those as I got more buildings added on to me because you just can't keep up with it all with that many places. And that's, that's been hard for me is like, because it's, that's where a lot of my relationships did grow is that follow-up and just a quick email. Hey, did you try out that resource or how did it go? Let me know. Or can, can we co-teach together if they did not do it? So
0: do you get, um, and I'm sure you'll get this even more now, but do you get the comment of i somebody comes to you to ask for help and they say, I'm sorry to bother you.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) especially when I got more buildings. Yeah. I did not get it my first couple years. Um, But that really bothered me uh, this past school year is because I had more buildings, the teachers that I was surfacing, they were like, I'm sorry to bother you. And I'm like, no, like you're not. And I think you just have to keep telling them, like, you're not bothering me. But I I also kind of was reflecting on that, like, was that because I wasn't as present because I was in more buildings? Was that, you know, like, why are they, why are they saying that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I wanted to dig into one more topic that you presented at ISTE. Um, I saw that you co-presented a session on evaluating tech and a lot of that session At least the beginning of it was very much like a district evaluation of tech. Um, But I know that there are some ed tech coaches who do have school-based budgets. And I know that some ed tech coaches will be a part of that process uh, for choosing district technology. Um, What advice or thoughts do you have about how to look at technology purchasing by the coach from, from maybe the school level?
1: yeah so we did not have a process in place my first year and teachers were just buying whatever they saw on twitter facebook wherever they saw it they were just buying it um and they didn't really know what the tool did or if it would even work with our internet filters or if it would work with our chromebooks it was a hot mess like we bought a program and it didn't even work and so then we started this um tech committee and it was it was hard at first just to kind of get the teachers to be like, you can't buy whatever you want to buy. Like it has to be approved, and it has to go through this committee. Um, and it was, it was a, it was a shakeup. But since we've been doing it, it's been a really good shakeup. And so what we do is we, uh, or what my role in it as a coach is, is I send out surveys to my teachers and students. I want to know what the students think of programs. And I'm not looking like, oh, this program's boring. I'm looking for more like how can I help PD purposes with the students. So like some of the students, like with iReady, they might say, oh, this is boring. Or have one other kid that said like I need help, but my teacher won't help me. Or I don't feel comfortable asking my t-. like that was a lot of the comments. And it, it was a hybrid learning. So The teachers were teaching the day and then the kids were at home doing iReady. So there wasn't enough time to get that support that they needed in the environment we had last year. And so just looking at that and having that conversation with teachers of, well, we should get rid of this program, but do you know why the kids don't like it? (laughs) And it's because they're not getting that one-on-one or small group support from you. And so then it was able to drive some of those tougher conversations that you have to have with some people like, hey, um, let's let's relook at your classroom. How can we set up a blended learning? And that's where I was able to go in with that coaching cycle and just say, let's kind of see what we need to do to kind of change the attitude of this program. Um, so we were able to look at that kind of data, but also looking at our budget, what programs we were going to buy, what programs we weren't going to buy. And the teachers had a say. Before it was like two people that were like, we want this program. And then everybody had it. But now it was, everybody was involved. And by everybody being involved, they met as their teacher-based teams. They filled out a documentation. Um, I did not look at that documentation. It was just for their tech rep to kind of look at and have for them to advocate for their team. And so what they did is they had to nominate someone to be the tech rep and they could pick. Again, I was not a part of that decision. Um, I wanted it to be all like teacher-led. And so once they went through every program they had to explain why they liked it or why they didn't if we needed something from the vendor so maybe the vendor said like this data or graph you know like this data portion is not in there and we need it um, or if there was like a program I love that question because also like Edpuzzle a teacher was like oh I didn't know Edpuzzle did that and so they were able to have that like right at the moment PD with each other to say oh I do it this way and that's how I get work around that issue or no oh, that is in there like you just haven't touched it in like three months and it, it is working and so it was just driving some of those conversations as well and it is a long process I mean we start in February and don't end until May yeah
0: and we, so we, we did long. some of that too we actually went through the data <laughs> and we had a uh mtac groups and all of this and it it is a lot it's a lot to go through it's a lot of work it's a lot of asking questions from teachers and i think you said it um in your isti presentation actually that you know trying to get the teachers to think outside of themselves
1: Mm -hmm. because
0: that's a different that's a different conversation
1: (laughs) yeah yeah because they're so focused on their room and their classroom And I'm like, okay, but other teachers aren't using this program. Like the usage is so low that we can't support it. Um, And it kind of goes to like everybody my first year was buying whatever they wanted. And so then they would be like, Stephanie, can you help me with this program? I've never even heard of it. Um, So no, (laughs) like, but I can learn with you. And so we kind of cut a lot of that as well, because they are busy, and so we wanted to make sure that the programs they were using were research-based and good for kids. Like, if it wasn't good for kids, or even the student privacy. I mean, there's some websites that you just have to check that student privacy to make sure your kids can even use it.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was always the biggest thing. And we actually did a, a presentation to all the teachers at one point that was like student data privacy. Here are the things you need to look for, and before you sign them up for this free tool because free is everybody's favorite. And I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Free is free is great, but there's a difference between Flipgrid free where you know they're still meeting some standards and there's a company backing them up and some other types of free where it's like, oh well, we're gonna gather some data. We're gonna use you for analytics. <laughs> That's yeah. if you're not paying, you're paying somehow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you just have to be careful with that. And so we weren't, and then we were, and so, um, we learned a lot of mistakes on the way, but it's been really good to learn.
0: (laughs) So do you have any teachers who still like dig into their own pockets and try to buy stuff for their, their own students? And
1: so, yeah, they, they have, especially with COVID. Um, so that conversation usually comes from the principal, um, if i mean you can track anything in today's world (laughs) and so um that conversation comes from the the principals and usually it's a conversation with either it was like the coordinator role so like the tech coordinator or the director and then um from there the principal has a conversation with the teacher and then um they are allowed to buy like certain programs so they cannot buy buy like curriculum based, but they can buy like supplementals. So if they wanted to pay for like quizzes, they could buy that for their classroom or something like Quizlet or something like that where it's not. Um, But still, that has to be a conversation that they have to kind of get approved before they can just buy it. Do
0: you have any suggestions for coaches who might be having conversations with teachers who are saying, I want to purchase quizzes and then and, or something like that, um, that is outside of what their district may have supported them. Like, what would you have, what would you say to a coach that they should be talking to their teachers about and thinking about?
1: A lot of the time, um, from what I've noticed in my experience is I'll ask a teacher, well, what do you want to do with quizzes? Like, what is your goal to use that tool? And, um, normally they'll say, you know, to test students' knowledge. Well, we have Gimkit, we have this, we have this. Um, and I can help you learn those programs. Um, happy to come in and co-teach with you. And that's usually what helps those type of conversations. Um, but it, it does get tricky because as a coach, I truly, truly believe in confidentiality. And you want to keep that relationship and that confidentiality safe too. So I'm not going to go tattle on their, their, them, if they do something, you know, it's just like, you just have to have that conversation with them about, well, what is the goal of it? How do you want to use it? And sometimes it's like, okay, that program can only do it. and We don't have anything like it. And so then I might go talk to my boss or the principal and just say, this is how they want to use. It. I can advocate for them. Mm-hmm. This is how they want to use it. Do we have funds to buy it? If not, are they allowed to purchase it? And that itself can help out a ton. Like just even them knowing that you're going to advocate for them. But I usually just start off with what's the goal? Can another program do it or can it not? And then if it can, we we train them on that. If it can't, I try to advocate as best as I can.
0: (laughs) So you were talking about Gold, EDU, LLC, can you can you explain a little bit more about that? Is that something you'd like to share with us and kind of what that is and what you do? Because I honestly yeah, have so, no idea.
1: Yeah. Um, so I just kind of started it this spring. Um, this whole year, I feel like I've been working overtime. So I started an LLC to provide any training or anything like that uh, to districts that might need a consultant or something to come in and help train or help coach anybody. Um, so I started that LLC over the summer and it's been pretty busy, but I also totally agree with the free. Um, I want to be able to give as much free away, but if it takes me more than like two hours to plan, it's going to be a paid product. (laughs) Um, so on the free version of gold, we have a YouTube channel and it just kind of has different things. Um, so like we are doing like a make and take session. So that's with two of my teachers in Pickerington. Uh, And we did a one on Google, Google sites. And so it was over how to create a Google site, you create it, and then you share it because that's the take part where you can kind of get ideas. Um, Another session that we did was make and take with classroom headers. So everybody loves Google classroom headers, or Google form headers. And so you make them and then you can steal from each other. All of those different creations is kind of that thought. Um, I've also gotten some videos on edu protocols, just because I'm really obsessed with them. But um, so again, it's paid and free. There's two different types of tiers. But I do try to give away as much as I can whenever I can.
0: And that's on, and I just Googled you, uh, goldedu.org? Yep. All right. And then we'll have a link in the show notes and everything on, okay. um, on our podcast website. So all right. So is there... Anything else that you would like to share, any other pearls before um, we, uh, we uh, close out?
1: My biggest thing would be build relationships with teachers and then find your personal learning network. If you have both of those things, you're going to be great in whatever you do. If you don't, it might be a little bit of an isolation struggle.
0: All right. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for, for joining us. And hopefully we'll have you on again um, sometime soon because I love talking to you. I'd like one more time to thank Stephanie for joining me on this episode. I really hope that we're able to get together toward the end of the school year and have discussions to see how her 10 different schools went this year. If you are interested in coming on to the show to talk about ed tech coaching, You can go to edtechcoachingprimer.com, head over to the podcast blog page, and fill out the form. I'll reach out to you and we'll get you on. Have a happy holiday, everyone.